well, I wonder what your favourite song is. And I'm probably thinking along the line of songs with lyrics that just mean something to you. They just capture your imagination. Um, perhaps some of us are old enough to remember the uh, song Hurricane by Bob Dylan. It's a song about a, a boxer who is accused of a crime that supposedly he doesn't commit. Now the song is about some real events, but the lyrics of the song aren't factual in terms of, it's not like it's a history book that we could read. If you want to know more about Hurricane the Boxer, you'd have to go and read some more information. But the song gives us an indication of what happens there. The song by Paul Kelly, uh, Who's Gonna Make the Gravy? Perhaps it's a fictional story about a guy in jail who uh, won't be home to make the gravy for Christmas. And this year there was a, a new release of that song talking about the angst all of us feel of not being able to uh, maybe be with our loved ones over Christmas because of the COVID shutdowns. Songs can be poetic and they can be evocative and they can mean something to us. So before we dig into this song of David, and I want to unpack the psalm, even though there's 50 verses, I'm not going to unpack them all. And there's many, many theological uh, rabbit trails we could go down, which I'll avoid today. I want you to think of, is there a song that means something to you that's just been one of those songs where the lyrics grabbed you? Or maybe there's a song that means something to you or a piece of music that has uh, captured your attention, that takes you to another place. There's a sense that when we uh, participate in certain pieces of music, it, it takes us to another place. This psalm that we're reading today, Psalm 18, is a song that David sings and it's listed at the first opening line, uh, the first opening sentence before the first verse. It reminds us that it's a, a, a song of praise. But I want us to also understand that songs are poetic. They, they can be based on real events but there's some poetry to them. There's some evocative images to them. If we were telling historical events, like if someone was describing the bushfires that swept in 2020, they might have to say, well, the fire came like a, like a rushing wind, or they might say it, it, it was coming like a, a wall of fire. If they were trying to be historically accurate, you can't use such evocative language because you're trying to be realistic. But when we have a song, of, a song we, we use evocative language to draw the person listening in. And so David uses some images today that are probably more evocative language than realistic language. The psalm probably also has military language because David was a military person. It has some kingdom language, not kingdom of God language, but some king dominating other kingdom language 
because David was a king at threat from other people. So the events in the psalm are real, if we would like to say it like that. But David is not trying to teach us history here. So we don't read this psalm like a history lesson. We read the psalm and listen to the psalm and think, what is that teaching us? Maybe it's teaching us actually something about God. And rather than trying to listen to it as a history lesson, we actually think, well, what is this trying to tell us? There are lots of rabbit trails in this and things to uh, dig into if you want to, but I just encourage you maybe to explore that in your own time. There's 50 verses and there's lots of different themes in this and the, the, the psalm has a movement to it, but it's really a psalm of praise. In contrast to the psalms of lament, which are almost leave the, the reader hanging that there's no resolution, this psalm actually comes after a resolution. There are lots of psalms from David where he still is being attacked by his enemy. He's still being, uh, you know, run down by Saul. But this is one where he's praising God after the victory where he's being delivered from uh, persecution by Saul. So as we dig into this psalm, I'm also mindful that we're digging into this psalm today, this, the first Sunday of 2022. And many of us potentially have uh, wished 2021 good riddance uh, in the same way that we wished 2020 with good riddance. And yet there's a, a potential that maybe God won't deliver by tomorrow or by next week or by next month on all the things that we wish good riddance to. And so we're very much aware of our own suffering. We're very much aware that there's maybe some degrees of suffering that haven't been resolved. Potentially there's still some loved ones that we can't see because of COVID restrictions. There's still some people that we know in our sphere of influence that are dealing with COVID and suffering with COVID. So the issue of our suffering is still very raw to us. The uncertainty and the anxiety is still very raw to us. And so this psalm comforts us. Maybe we haven't had the victory that David's had, but I think this psalm comforts us because it tells us that God is affected by our suffering. God is affected by our suffering. Now I know there's a whole theological rabbit trail that we could go down here and, and maybe you can have a chat with me after about some of those things. But the psalm reminds us that God is affected by our suffering. That we've had a tough year. Some of us have had a really hard year. As Kirsty said, some of us are dealing with that angst of, we know every other person's had a tough year, but we've actually seen God work in our life and we actually think we've grown in 2021. But we know that God is affected 
by our circumstances. David has had many, many hard years. David was told as a boy that he would become king. And he goes and works for the king Saul because he knows that he needs to be trained up to be king. But this king actually tries to assassinate him on several occasions. David is on the run. David at times has actually worked as a military advisor for the people who are fighting against King Saul. David's had many, many hard years. He's had many, many battles that he's gone through. And this psalm is a psalm of praise after he feels that the days of battle are behind him. It's the sense that God has listened through all his psalms of lament. All those times David has cried out in a psalm, How long, O Lord? All those times that David has cried out in anguish. And all those times that David has cried out that God would deal with his enemies. And David has felt God's presence in all of that. God has been affected by David's cry and God comes to meet David and nurture David and uh, protect him against his enemies. Just like the year that we've had with COVID, David has often thought that there's only one more thing and then we'll be okay. Only to find that that one more thing has been fixed but there's a new difficulty on the horizon. David has found at times, well, if I can just get through this battle, then things will be better. But there's been one more battle on the horizon, one more challenging circumstance in front of him. And sometimes we feel that life has shifted in 2021 from challenging to complex. We've been dealing with challenging circumstances, but it's almost like prior to 2020, we knew what the parameters were. If someone wanted to set a five-year goal for themselves, they could and just work away on it. Now we can't even plan for next week because we don't know what's going on. There's a complexity to life that is really challenging. And there was a complexity of life to David as well. He knew that God had called him to be king, but he was being attempted assassinations on his life at several times. And he's cried out to God. And it seems as though God has been affected by his suffering. God has, and there's all this quite bizarre imagery there. That it talks about and sounds strange, doesn't it? That it's like hailstones and bolts of lightning. God thunders. There's stuff coming out of his nostrils. He shoots arrows at his enemies. He's got these seas exposing and the fountains of the earth they bear as God rebukes. It's David's cry out to God after the victory, saying that I was in suffering, I cried out to you, and I acknowledged that you felt that suffering too. David is saying in this psalm, after the victory, I knew that you cared and I knew that you saw me in my depths of suffering. There's some, some amazing images here that, are, that I think really, I mean, they, they could have happened. I'm not saying that they didn't happen. But I think David is using evocative language here 
like God riding on a cherubim. We know that God is far more expansive than just being somebody who rides on something like a horse. I think David is using this evocative language to show that there are challenging and complex times and that God hears us, is affected by our suffering and therefore responds to us. It's like the challenging and complex times that we live in. It's helpful for us to understand that God hears us and is moved by us and moved by our suffering. I think it's important for us to understand that because one of the biggest challenges which is given to Christians is why does God allow suffering? And it's closely followed by this, this false lie that somehow God is off somewhere asleep at the wheel doing something else. But the psalmist today reminds us that God hears us and responds to us and cares for us. And then there's this movement in the psalm to the fact that God delivers his people by judging his enemies. God moves to ease our suffering, to break the enemies that we fight against. And God makes this happen. Now there's a lot of warfare images in this particular psalm because David was a warrior. David was a soldier. The idea of uh, taking out the troop and leaping a wall. They're battle images. Other Christians throughout the centuries have used different images to show how God rescues his people and delivers them from their enemies. The great Christian hymn, Amazing Grace, is actually John's, John Newton's attempt to show how God rescued him. It uses very different language to the language of this psalm because John Newton was a slave trader, not, not a, a, a military commander. And there are lots of other books and poems and songs and hymns that Christians have used to testify about how God rescues them, heals them, protects them, guides them and shields them from their enemies. And maybe one of those speaks to you. Because when God rescues us, we, we know that God rescues us from our enemies. And David's used this image of, a, of another military force coming against him. But it's whatever is the cause of your suffering is the enemy that really the psalmist is talking about. We don't fight military battles, but we have things that are causing suffering in our life. It's those things that God comes against. I've never fought in a military battle, I've never been in the army. But in, 2006, in 2013, sorry, I'd taken our family to New York City for a, a, a trip across America and we were doing a number of different things there and I had been very sick leading up to it, but I thought if I just get my family to America, they can enjoy the, the holiday and even if I'm sick, I'll, I'll just stay in the hotel room, but at least I'll get a great trip. But by the time we got to New York City, I was so sick that it was 
it was really hard to keep going. I had a bowel condition and uh, I had to see a doctor in New York City and he advised me that I would be up for a very expensive uh, stay in New York City if I had to stay there and get treatment for my bowel condition. The doctor advised that I really need to get home as soon as possible. And so uh, we postponed parts of our trip and I ended up flying from New York to uh, LA, LA to home. And the boys flew with me to LA and ended up doing a couple of days in Disneyland. I remember Lisa praying over me that God would rescue me from this. By God's grace, I got home and made it to the Alfred Hospital. I spent nine days in the Alfred Hospital with ulcerative colitis, an inflammatory bowel condition. In the days that followed, I got the right medication and I got to go home. In that 12 month journey towards recovery, I felt that God was on a constant rescue mission for me. That it just seemed that I met the right doctor or the right person that put me into a, 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 a clinical trial for medication. And whilst the medication didn't seem to work for some other people in the trial, it worked perfectly for me. And it put me into recovery. Since that time, I'm on constant medication for ulcerative colitis, a condition I live with every day, but I'm in clinical remission and I praise God for that. There's been many Christians who prayed for me, including my wife and my parents, my mother-in-law. They've prayed for me and God has rescued me. Now, I'm not poetic. I'm not lyrical and I can't sing about how God has rescued me. But one of the reasons I'm so passionate about preaching the word of God is because that's the way that I get to express how God has rescued me. God dealt with my enemy. My enemy wasn't a military force coming against my kingdom. My enemy was an inflammatory bowel disease that cost me six months of theological school and delayed my ordination by 12 months. God wanted me to be a priest and God put people in my path to rescue me from that. So when God wants to rescue you, he wants to rescue you not from a military force that's coming to you and attack you like David. He wants to deliver you from whatever is weighing you down whatever enemy is coming against you. And unlike David, who kind of at times had to just pray and trust in God, we know that through the cross, Jesus has carried our burden. And so David has had many difficult times that we read about in the Lament Psalms. And whilst we go through difficult times, we can always look to the cross in our suffering and know that God is coming to rescue us too. The strength of David was that he lived to fight another day because the Lord was with him. And then the psalm turns at the very end, like many psalms do, turn at the very end 
And it turns to this great sense that God delights in his people. The psalm reminds us that God delights in his people. God delighted in David because he had called David to be king. And when David finally got to sit on the throne and reign as king, God delighted. God delighted that a plan that had been put in place decades earlier had come to fruition. But God delighted that David was a king after his own heart, as it tells us in the scriptures. David had many troubles and snares on his way to becoming king. But God delighted that David was a man after his own heart. And I think the psalm reminds us in our own way that God delights in you. God delights that you're married to the person that he called you to be married to. God delights that you're in the career that God called you into. God delights that you're in a church and being in Christian community. God delights in the faith and worship that you express to him all the time. When we lift our praise to God, God delights because God delights in his people. It's a great encouragement as we face the year ahead. As verse 50 tells us, David says that God is loyal to his people. As we face the year ahead, know that God is sitting with you in your suffering. He hears how you're suffering. He's sending a rescue plan. We don't know what that rescue plan looks like in your circumstance. I don't know. But God does. And God delights in the relationship that he has with you. I think as we head into the new year, and there's so many lies that spread about Christianity that somehow we follow a set of rules that's all about behaviour modification, or that we follow a God who's distant and doesn't care about us, or that somehow God is kind of like the police officer in the sky who wants to, you know, set and check that we're following all the rules and regulations. I think we need to be bold, like David was. When David said, David said that he will declare God's praise amongst the nations. He will be bold in declaring God's victory. I think we need to be bold in declaring that God loves us, that God loves everybody, that God cares for them and wants to show them through the suffering that he loves them. I think we need to be very careful about how we do that, particularly some false teachers who want to claim that COVID is somehow God's way of teaching the world a lesson. In contrast to those false teachers, I think we need to be reminded ourselves so that we're empowered to go out into the world that God does not delight in evil, that God hears our suffering and has dealt with evil on the cross and therefore God loves us, delights in us, and has wants to rescue us. So my challenge as I finish is, do you delight in God? Do you acknowledge that God has rescued you through Jesus? 
And do you lift your eyes off your circumstances and the suffering that you're in and turn your eyes and attention to God? Just like David, in the midst of suffering, do you cry out laments in honest truth to God, but also turn to God in hope that God will rescue you? I hope that you have the strength to face whatever 2020 has, the complexity of the world that we live in, but I hope that you put your attention on Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would find strength today from the God who is faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Gracious God, we thank you for the words that we've had from David, a man after your own heart. I pray that they would be words that would encourage us, that you do get affected by our suffering, that you're not a distant God, but Lord, also that you rescue us that you rescue us from our enemies, those things that come to weigh us down, those burdens that Christ lift from us at the cross. And send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us as you delight in us. Help us to delight in you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.